Statistics on this film. Levitated by the human touch. Antonio's galloping forward. Here's the pass. Antonio's through. Chance of four. What a goal! What a brilliant strike by Mikel Antonio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knees Up Mother Brown podcast. Let's welcome to everyone except for John McGinn, who can off as far as I'm concerned. Uh, gentlemen, how are we this evening? Jack and Callum, good to see you. Great, thank you, Chris. Yeah, good to see you, bro. Yeah, I'm doing good, doing good. It's lovely to have you back in your own home, Jack, considering the uh, the travails of the weekend, which has otherwise been an excellent, excellent, excellent few games since we were last recording. Some of us may have been pessimistic. Some of us had the faith to even win both of these games. And, you know, I'll put the draw aside and say that you were correct, I suppose. Um, well, might as well crack straight on with Aston Villa. 4-1 away win. There's, it's hard to be anything but delighted with that Jack yeah I think obviously really really pleased there were there were some uh, issues with the performance after the red card but other than that we're really really fantastic in the final thirds um, the players that have come through the academy Rice and Johnson were absolutely brilliant and that's the real story um, of, the, of the game is, is two youngsters absolutely dominating a, a Premier League game away from home Um yeah, it was just a joyous experience as an away fan. Despite all the palaver of, of getting there and getting back, it was great, great fun. And I will ask you more about that in a bit, but we have to, we do kind of have to talk about, we have to start with Declan Price and Ben Johnson. It's an, another exemplary performance from Deck, who can even pass sideways into the goal from 25 yards these days. He, he, he seems <laughs> to be able to pass sideways in so many different ways now. It's it's It's, it's incredible to behold, but it's all, it all started off with the continued development of Ben Johnson, who, and apparently he thanks Antonio for giving the idea to cut onto his left foot. But that was mm. a a bit of a rocket into the corner, Cal. Yeah, man. Yeah, it was. It was a weird one because it didn't really look like it was that. I don't. It was a bizarre shot, wasn't it? It almost kind of like rolled towards. It was more about placement than than a. Than anything else, and it looked as though it shouldn't have gone in. I think when I when I first saw it, I was like, "How has that found its way into the corner?" <laughs> like, especially against the top, well, pretty top keeper in Martinez. Um, but yeah, loved it. I was so happy for him. Like going into the game, obviously there were already <laughs> yeah, question question marks about um, whether he whether he would start or whether we should bring Sufal back in, and whether it would be a bit harsh to drop him after the performances he's he's had in the last few games. And I think. If if Sufal had started, a lot of people probably wouldn't have argued that much about it because ultimately he has also been amazing for us and was is an integral part of the team when fully fit. But I'm chuffed chuffed for Johnson. Like obviously Moyes must really see something in him because he did have a, a maybe not fully fit, but he did have Sufal available to him, and he's opted to go for Johnson, and and it's paid off. It's it's paid wonders, and not just it's easy when players like that. It's easy to praise them when when they score, but it wasn't just just about the goal. Like his his defensive performance was brilliant, I think. Um, and yeah, just you can't, you can't be much happier for him. And that celebration, I think, was just brilliant as well. And um, I saw a, a moment. I think it was like 
a lifelong friend or something was in the crowd and you sort of managed to get get him over and have a hug and it's just that sort of stuff isn't it that, that's that's really brilliant about this team at the minute just everyone seems to be so so happy and and it makes a change from many seasons of doom and gloom <laughs> it, it is i mean there's an absolute camaraderie it shines through as well. i mean the smiles I mean, the smiles on Deck and Ben's faces when they did their interviews at the end of the game were quite ridiculous. They were giggly schoolboys, I mean, throughout most <laughs> yeah. of that. But even, even when they scored, you could see that there was a genuine delight. Everyone ran over for that celebration. Fabric's good. I mean, they were, they were delighted for each other. They are playing with a happiness that it makes it a really lovable club as well. And it's clearly, I mean, Moyes had the choice. He, could, he had an easy, he easily could have dropped Johnson. I think he'd easy would have been excused for dropping Johnson, Jack. And he, he stuck with the guy on form and you'd have to say, probably can't drop Johnson now can he no I think Johnson's almost become undroppable he's been absolutely brilliant since he came into the side and and you're right it was just such a lovely moment everyone running over to celebrate with him and there was that sort of celebration that kept, it came from the viral video of him when he was mm. at, at, at secondary school doing the kind years of old. really silly dance yeah. um, and it was just lovely to see everyone's joy for him and and, and it shows really I think how um, how great he's been around the place despite having to work so hard and be so patient for the mm. opportunities he's had and, and frankly every time he's come in he's done quite a good job and then he's been dropped again because there's been someone with a bigger reputation available to, to come back from injury or come back from suspension and actually the the one moment where I've been really concerned for him is if, if we can cast our minds all the way back to that preseason game against Bournemouth um, ages ago where he got hooked after I think oh, yeah 30 yeah. minutes after an absolute nightmare of a, of a display in which he looked lost on mm-hmm. the ball, off the ball. He was flying into tackles and mistiming them completely. And it was a horrible moment to see a, an academy player pulled off in a friendly after 25, 30 minutes. What, Moyes was left with virtually no choice because it was going to get sent off and completely ruined the, the friendly. I mean, we rarely see cards in friendlies, but the ref was having mm-hmm. to, to like talk to him for the amount of times he was just flying in completely late and um and that was the only real moment in his development where I've been a little bit concerned because he's had this diligence about him that he's been ready for his opportunities when they've come and he's done really well and then suddenly he was given this opportunity and he just looked lost um with what to do with it and yeah to see him bounce back so brilliantly and this 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 period with him in the first team where he's been fantastic defensively I mean I, I don't think he, he hasn't been dribbled past yet. I, I think I'm right in saying and uh, uh, I've watched all the games twice, three times. He's been defensively faultless. I mean, against Villa in the air as well. I mean, he hasn't been airily tested so much yet. And, and Villa, I don't know whether that was a, a, something they'd noticed that no one, not many people had like played long balls down that side and they seem to really pump long balls down that flank. And, and he dealt with it brilliantly. Really, really great in the air. Won all of his aerial duels. And then even times where it sort of dropped... Uh, um, into a 50-50 he was sharp in the tackle and winning the ball back and, and securing possession a lot as well one of the things I really like about him is um, a lot of the time when you see defenders win the ball in the tackle their first thought is let me just get it up the pitch and, you know I'll hack it clear he's very very good at, at getting his head up and picking a pass into Suchek or picking a pass um, back into one of uh, Obonna or Zuma the one that's under less pressure and that often allows us to to set the tempo really nicely rather than opening the game up into these kind of up and down um, things where we lose control uh, so yeah across the board excellent defensively and then 
going forward is something we've we've had our doubts about there have been moments where we've seen some some things coming through we talked about line breaking passes appearing this season a few times and him needing to to start to pick his moments a little better when he does those when he doesn't do those he starts to be getting his head around he, he looks to be starting to get his head around that and then and then today yeah we talked about I think as well about him developing his left foot from playing at left back and then suddenly he understands don't just need to go right I've got a great left foot I'm going to cut in and take a shot and he gets a goal from it. So, you know, if he continues on this, on the path he's currently on, he could turn into a really, really outstanding Premier League fullback. I mean, I've, I've always thought his defensive basics have looked really solid. And always when he first came in, he kind of, and he has, he's come in bits and starts a lot more on the left, actually, than the right. Yeah. He thought his basics were there. He was doing that. And he, granted, it's hard for someone playing on the left if you are naturally right foot, even though his left foot is you know, bloody good. Uh, it's hard to get kind of everything in tune, but he seems to be adding something new, or at least showing something new of his game every day. I mean, there was in the, in the if not in the week, then in the last week, last week's game where he suddenly just pinged one across the pitch, mm. probably from flank to flank with his left foot. Yeah, better than most of our players have played with a better foot. It was a fantastic shot. So he's obviously getting confidence, probably coming from a relationship with Declan, who looks like he's really stepping into this captain's role with Ben Johnson in a way that Nobes would have done. That would have been Nobes' role. 100% is getting those youth players in and making sure they feel comfortable. And Decker's stood up on that as well, Callum. And he's stood up kind of to everything so far. But I mean, yeah, yesterday he was phenomenal again. Yeah. Yeah, he was. It's, it's, it is becoming a bit of a broken record, isn't it? I think every, yeah. every time we record an yeah. episode, we're just going to be talking about how amazing he is. But honestly, I think it, it, it's so good that you actually can't, it would be negligent for us to record an episode and not mention it because we're meant to be talking about good things about West Ham and picking out identifiable things. And it's every game, it is him that stands out with, without fail. Like you say, his his sort of role in, in leading this team now is is really, really good to see. And I think it's, it's for the academy on mass as well, it's, the, the longer he's here, the better it is. Because I think he's, it's such like a role model kind of thing. Like, look up, this is what Deck managed to do. And like, it's it, I could also be that guy if I put the shift in. And, and like, there is a pathway to the first team. Johnson's now just proven it again. Like, if you're good enough and you work hard enough, there is there is a pathway into that team if if you if you knuckle down and, and do everything to get there. Um, and that's just great after prior to that has been quite a barren spell for what is the academy of football um i don't really remember anyone coming through to this caliber um for a long time and and it's great and i think as well like the i don't know it's it's easy to get romantic and hopeful about rice and i think everyone like we've mentioned before probably is resigned to him going at some point but the more i see him stepping into this role and really like embracing it and relishing in it and like even when he celebrates, he celebrates with such passion. Like he absolutely loves it here. And I think if I don't know, if maybe if we have found our level and if the level that everyone's been like, oh, he needs to leave to play at that level, it's like, well, actually, if he can see that we're building something around him that's that almost takes us to that level, then does he have to need? I don't know. It's perhaps it's wishful thinking, but he he Moyes must be in his ear saying, You could be the leader in this team to play at that level. You you are we need you to get there, but you could be the star of this team literally for your whole career and, and keep us at that level rather than perhaps leaving to go to a club like 
I don't know, United or something where, yeah, he'd be amazing, but there's, he'd never be the biggest character there because you're always going to have the Ronaldos or the, some sort of poster boy that's going to get all that limelight and, and airtime. I read an excellent article by Martin Samuel, I think it was in the week, that talked about how um, there's all this talk of you know him needing to go to, to a Man United to, to go to that next level and to, to in his game to progress to that next level. And actually, is he going to be receive better uh, is he going to receive better coaching under Solskjaer and the setup at Man United than he is under David Moyes Kevin Nolan Paul Nevin the answer is just absolute it's a categorical no so he's clearly progressing in the way that he needs to to develop his game at West Ham he's got the captain's role and like like Cal like you say like if um if if we can find our level here with this team and build it around him and we've also got, you know, young players coming through like Ben Johnson who can also hold their own at that level, then, you know, it starts to open the question mark of does he does he really need to leave? And then on the point of of his performance against Villa, he did undoubtedly drop off a little bit um, after the red card, but we did as a team in, in yeah. that period of the game. Um, and we struggled a little bit in that period. But in the first half, I think for me, there's been three outstanding 45-minute performances from, from Declan Rice that I can think of this season against Everton uh, in the first half against Spurs, I think in the second half against Spurs. And then um, here in the first half against Villa, I, I was amazed at how brilliant he was again here. One of the things that we clearly targeted is they really struggled with central ball progression and they really struggled when Jacob Ramsey went off injured. It was really unfortunate for them that he rolled his ankle early on and they lost kind of this ability to play to both the left and the right for a ball progressor. But as soon as they lost that, it was really obvious that John McGinn's the only guy that's going to be able to turn and play a forward pass out of that midfield unit. And every time John McGinn got the ball, Declan Rice was two yards away or less. It was straight mm-hmm. onto him each time. And he could not turn for 45 minutes. McGinn received the ball and had to pass back to a centre-back straight away. And it stopped Villa from doing anything in the first Plus, the half one the time game. he got the ball was when he decided to pull all the way out to the right wing. And that's where the goal came from, wasn't it? And yeah. to some extent, that's probably because he could, well, I'm not getting any space playing in the middle because Declan is smothering me. So he's got out there and it was a, it was a shame how it went. Yeah. I say, as the club, you can't do anything more as a club at the moment than us than make it a really happy place for Declan Rice, not only to improve his game, but also a happy place to enjoy his football. And, you know, he may or may not leave, but we, it looks to me, and it looks from the, from the outside, that like we're pretty much doing everything we can to go, here's why you stay. Yeah, apart from offering him money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, you know, there's only certain things we'll do with money. One final point on Rice for me is that historically, when you think of players that have perhaps been been too good for West Ham it's there's often been that oh well they need to leave West Ham to get to get into the England team and if that's obviously every footballer's dream is to to play for their country but he's already a very established midfielder for England arguably one of the most important players in this England setup already at at his young age so that's just that that hurt that obstacle that we've often often faced in terms of the big club bias and stuff like that is is not apparent in this situation so in that sense it's not like he needs to leave to get into Southgate's plans because I would imagine he's already one of the first names in the squad when he's picking it but also what's going to be a huge step for this team and making sure that we can sustain this level is is players like Jared Bowen getting into the England setup um 
side Ben Rama going off to AFCON in January and being in the first team for, for Algeria. These are the things that really need to happen because Pablo Fornals played a nation league final. Exactly. Pablo Fornals <laughs> has found his way into the, into the Spain setup, but Zuma needs to get back into that French squad. Um, things like Ogbonna, who had a great season, not getting into the Italian squad, that culture needs to change. You know, and, and it will be things like Bowen getting into the England squad that means that players will be looking at West Ham and saying, well, you know, Pablo Fornals is playing on the left wing for Spain. Declan Rice is potentially, he could even end up being captain of England, let's be honest, the, the way he's going. Oh, he, w- he will be, he will be. Yeah, uh, and if Jared Bowen's playing for England as well, so Ben Rama's starting for Algeria, who look like they're, they're really onto something good at the moment, you know, then there's something to really say, not only are West Ham can see, competing at the top end of the Premier League, competing well in Europe and competing well in the domestic cups but also there's not that big club bias around their players their players are also playing so well that they're, they're getting picked for their international sides that is because for a long time we felt like we we were especially with our domestic players we were those domestic players that didn't get the pick for England we had the yeah. and not to be a little bit harsh because Cresswell has some caps with the Cresswells and the Fredericks who were there if you needed but people didn't want to see them nowadays we have players who get media attention yeah and I guess Nobs was the classic case, I guess, wasn't it? Like all throughout his career, there was talks of how he's not got in the England team. Like that, there was a definite, I can't remember which tournament it was, but there was one tournament where it really felt like he had missed out and had been overlooked, really. Euro 2016. I think that was it, yeah. He was he was playing really well for West Ham. and Wilshire just, got picked despite being injured all year. Yeah, exactly. Like, And that's it. And that sort of, um, that just doesn't seem to, oh, we, we're going away from that culture now, like you say. And I think, yeah, sustaining that would be really important. And I think I think Jared must be on the cusp or at least garnering the attention be. of Southgate, you'd think. I think Rashane Thomas wrote an article about Southgate, like watching him or something or being aware of him. So, He's and got, I mean, he, he, yeah, he has to be nearly there. I mean, the, his performance against Villa was just... It's just unfortunate that he's he's, we've got such a wealth of talent in that sort of area of the pitch who might end up getting in ahead of him, I guess. The so you, think of, you think of uh, Southgate's desire for that, that kind of someone, at least one player who can do a defensive shift. And you think, well, mm. his be- I mean, Chris Wilder was really good at pointing out on match the two match the day two, even uh, this week about the, I mean, the runs they did back and he does, he gets, he's in yeah. the box and suddenly he's covering and there's barely a better player in the league at getting back and making sure they've covered. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was I was going to move on. We would talk slightly about the chaos, and we talked slightly about the second half and the performance maybe being different. But I'm going to talk chaos, and I do have to talk, Jack, about your experience trying to get to and from that game yesterday. Because if chaos could not be a better word, I don't think really by the sounds of things. Yesterday was great fun, but it was exhausting. <laughs> it was exhausting. I I I woke up to tweets of um, trains not leaving from Houston, and. Um, my, I was on the last train out of Houston that would have got you there on, on time for the game. So I was looking at it thinking, I'll probably be all right. I'll probably, it'll probably all blow over by then. It's, it's only eight, it's 8.30 now. People are complaining now. I'm, I'm going in five hours time. Hopefully it'll be cleared up <laughs> by then. And I went on the national rail thing and it came up and it said disruption only expected until 12 o'clock. Um, 
So I just went about my day, you know. You naive going, young man. Yeah, you naive casually, young man. The National Rail Site's telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Blow over being the perfect yeah, time exactly. here as well, given the weather. <laughs> so anyway, I went down to Euston to get on my train. And as I arrived at Euston, noticed that the station was being basically evacuated of everyone inside it with people shouting, all trains cancelled out of, out of Euston. So then... I had a bit of a um, scramble on my hands. So I went on Twitter. And one of the really lovely things about yesterday is going on Twitter in that period when all the trains were, were cancelled and seeing all the West Ham fans on Twitter, uh, people going and, and um, picking up lifts from, from other people, people driving past Houston intentionally to try and pick up people who were trying to get on a train. That, that kind of lovely sort of togetherness of let's just get to the game however we can. Everyone sending different train routes that could possibly get you there on time. A lot of people went to Leicester, people went to Oxford and changed. I think some people even went all the way up to Northampton and changed. So everyone trying different different routes to get in. And uh, the route I picked, I, I ran, literally ran all the way down to Marlebone. Uh, from from Houston and hopped on a, a Chilton Railways little rattler that stopped everywhere on the way up to Birmingham and did really well. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone's been following uh, Rashane Thomas's travails uh, uh, getting to away games, but there's often the the chat about whether Rashane manages to get a seat. And I was very chuffed to have managed to get a seat on on this little <laughs> Chilton Railways rattler because there were a lot of West Ham fans trying to get up there and, and just a lot of people trying to get up to Birmingham. And, and I did manage to, to why well, I gambled. I looked at a train that looked most like it was being held I went, that's probably the one going to Birmingham. Went and got on it and 20 minutes later saw everyone just running down the platform <laughs> uh, to try and get on. So yeah, got managed to get up there, got a cab over to the ground. I, I got into the ground about 20 minutes into the first half. So I missed the Ben Johnson goal. Saw the Ben Johnson goal on, on my phone in the back of a cab with with two other West Ham fans who I'd travelled up, <laughs> um, travelled up with. And then, yeah, after the game, ridiculous. Uh, just that the, the euphoria of the celebrations at the end and then everyone walking out uh, and getting to the getting outside the ground and just looking around and going well that was great now how the fuck do we get home <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah we all ended up at Witten, the little train station um in aston uh looking for trains back into birmingham and it just there was this like brilliant moment as we were all lined up on the ramp trying to get on these little trains back into birmingham and it just slowly started raining sort of fine rain and obviously the chant just goes up Birmingham's a shithole I wanna go <laughs> so the, yeah just standing there waiting to get on the train back into Birmingham managed to get back into Birmingham and then at U Street all the trains then ended up being cancelled back into Euston again so everyone got across to Moore Street and then another sort of hilarious moment as we all lined up on platform two at Moore Street and you've got platform three right, right next to you and platform one's across the track so there's all all the West Ham fans lined up on platform two there's all these barriers that have been placed out which make you think the train's going to come into platform two we're all stood in the in the it was really cold yesterday in, in like really 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 cold and um we're all stood it's sort of raining it's freezing cold shifting from foot to foot talking about how cold it is and all looking down the, the train lines, just waiting to see these sort of lights appear in the distance. And as they did, there's this murmur went up that it, uh, the train's coming into the station. And then just as it looked like it was coming into platform two, it just diverted on the last set of signals and went left onto platform one on the other side of the tracks, which led to this. Uh, well, I don't think 
I think the only time I've run faster in my life would have been year seven sports day when I was really trying to prove myself at a boys sports college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I turned and sprinted down platform three with several hundred other West Ham fans um, and a sort of crush ensued as we tried to get onto, onto this little Chilton Railways train back in and yeah, managed to get on it and get home. But it was a total, total palaver. And if there's one thing that was lovely about it is that that, that level of madness and getting there really reminds you of what a fantastic away support we have that it would have been very easy for everyone when Houston got close to just go right that's it we're not getting there but cabs trains all around the country little cross-country trains back from other stations to get there I, I know we weren't all in at minute one but by minute 20 we'd all managed to sort of filter in and and i think you heard us in the second half on sky pretty loud for the whole yeah. second half it was a fantastic yeah. atmosphere up there so there's the kind of poetic uh and quite british away fans thing that it doesn't really feel like a lot of other countries have there's a culture of i suppose a culture of misery to some extent <laughs> as well but it's this kind of this kind of british attitude that people talk about and you think oh that's doesn't maybe exist like it used to but there is a there is a camaraderie still of football fans you do get that West Ham family feel sometimes it's not always there like it used to be maybe not always there like you felt as a youngster maybe but I would guess it's more like that where you go actually I can rely on people I don't know who've decided they're my mate because I'm in a West Ham shirt yeah yeah I also got to thoroughly enjoy singing with several thousand other West Ham fans we can see you sneaking out which is one of my favorite chants yes it's one of my favorites it that totally empty. I mean, t- 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 I think there's more West Ham fans left at the moment than there are Villa fans. This is blue seats. If it makes <laughs> give it up, I mean, it, it must have been depressing, which gets us back into the actual football part because I don't think I've ever seen an incident where I've gone, well, those two should both be sent off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from the stand immediately, I mean, before even the play continued, when the Hawes challenge happened, I just yeah. immediately shouted red card straight away. <laughs> Like, yeah. how could he not be sent off for this? And I didn't see a replay until I got all the way home. And then when I saw a replay, I was like, how have they reviewed that and not sent yeah. him off? I remember Suchek getting sent off against Fulham for grazing Mitrovic accidentally with his elbow. That was an intentional forearm slash elbow smash to the jaw that could have mm. seriously injured Pablo. For and it's totally intentional. When you see it at full speed, you see, oh, I'm not going to win the ball. I'm going to yeah, He's arm follows around. the man. Yeah. He's unf- I mean, I'm re- it made me really angry because I've, I've seen, I mean, in the Sky Studio after this go, it's not a red card, he's not through on goal. It's, and Gary Linnick was on Twitter saying that's going away from goal. I don't know what away from goal means to people, but he touched the ball in a straight line. He was going into the box. If he hadn't been fouled, he just takes a touch and moves towards goal. Mm. The, op- the word opportunity is very important in that rule as well because it's a goal scoring opportunity. It doesn't mean a goal scoring tap in. It means he has yeah. an opportunity to score. He was behind the defender and threw a goal. What, what's <laughs> yeah. an opportunity if not that? I mean, I was, I was outraged. I was so angry, Callum. Briefly on that, just on the rule, all the talk of the angle of where the ball's going is immaterial. It's a last man dog so. It doesn't matter. He's the last man and it's a goal scoring opportunity and the ball, the ball is to going the towards flag. goal. <laughs> it, 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 unless unless you're like like you say at the corner flag it doesn't matter he's by it uh, dean smith said in his post-match interview ashley young's getting there on the cover oh god don't give me so actually ashley young in his prime is not getting there he's 10 meters behind the ball ashley young's 37 million years old now <laughs> playing for, and let get back on dean smith playing in central midfield for a, a long time a man who 
isn't good enough to play on the wing anymore, so he's a fullback. Ah, oh, just chuck him centre mid. No, Dean, that's maybe why your team lost because you've you've, you've stuck with that one, pal. Uh, I, I thought they were. I thought they were a state, and I thought really the only thing they did to us was disrupt us by being so yes. kind of rudimentary. And eventually, you know, the numbers paid off, and we. You could say it was a, it flattered us a little bit, but I don't think it did. I think we eventually took advantage of time, space, and an extra man. And that fourth goal was one of my favorite, probably my favorite goal of the season. Well, the fourth goal was excellent. The fourth goal was absolutely brilliant. It was everything you want to see Antonio doing. When he's come out and said he wants this 20-goal season, it was everything you want to see him doing. He could have shot himself, but the present, I mean, the role in the first place is absolutely outstanding. He sees horse coming and manages to, to spin and open all that space up on the inside. And then the slide pass is perfect. And then Lanzini, this... I, for me, Lanzini's on the charge for a first-team spot at the moment. Every mm. time he comes mm. on, he's been brilliant. I'd say that's when one benefit of these European games is you're getting the chance for these players to play yeah. games and be on foot. When he's shown in those European games, what you I mean, maybe people have forgotten about him. The boy doesn't lose the ball. No. He, and, and his intensity we as well. Losing. Yeah. yeah his pressing's exactly. brilliant. I think is is really, really important, uh, especially like like we've mentioned before with... Um, Antonio towards the end of the game sort of sort of uh, chills out a bit and doesn't press as, as much. Just pr- I, pre- I presume to preserve and try and avoid any potential um, injury and stuff. And and bring having players like Lanzini to bring on or Benarama if he doesn't start the game, to, who can lead that press is is really important. Uh, and I think Lanzini has has shown that. Um, that is where I'd give Ben Rama some credit yesterday. He didn't do a lot great on the ball. He got the assist, which was from good running aside. But he was, in the first half especially, when we seemed to lose a bit of, go a bit wayward, he was flying forward to make sure he presses. Yeah. And he's still, I, I, he gets a lot of criticism and some of it's fair, some of it isn't. But I do think people forget that he does that stuff and he didn't do it when he started. On, 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 on the three of them, the three creative players in that game, Ben Rama, Lanzini and Fornells, Ben Rama pressed excellently and actually looked more comfortable from the left wing. Um, I yeah. thought it was really interesting. He looked quite a lot more comfortable just in everything he was doing from the left wing. And, and actually, you see, if you're going to compare him as a 10 to Lanzini as a 10, he does press really well from, from the 10 position. Lanzini also does that. But Ben Rama's movements from, from central areas are often quite fixed and practiced. Yeah. You can often see... I mean, we, I've spoken a lot about how, how his movement has improved, but you can see how coached it is. That, mm-hmm. that he's making movements that he's learned how to do, but it's very sort of sees the space, knows what he has to do, and then makes a very fixed run. What you get with Lanzini is just this wonderful perception of space. His rotations mm. are on a level that none of the other the forward players can, can do. He, he, the way he can s- see the game around him with his back to goal and understand when to filter out to the left side and let Fornells come into the centre, when to drop deep and let Rice go beyond or Suchek go beyond. It's all very, very fluid. There's nothing fixed or really coached about it. It's just that perfect it's awareness of how, that, how to play that, that role. And the thing that he's lacked for a really long time is fitness and how to adapt his game to be, not being able to, to have the same burst of speed across yeah. 10 yards, not being able to dart away as the, as the, as the first man on a counter-attack. For me, 
the bits we've seen of Lanzini this season, not every game. I mean, against the, in the first Euro, Europa League performance against Zagreb, he was really poor and got hooked about 50 minutes in after he looked like he was going to get sent off with a few like really rash challenges. But since then, what we've started to see and really definitely in the last week started to see is that adaptation to understanding, OK, I'm a little bit less fit but I can be really impactful playing a different kind of role from the 10th mm-hmm. position. And he seems to be doing that excellently now. What he can do that Ben Rama can't do is he can go in a game, I need to play deeper. He can play a bit more of an eight. Ben Rama doesn't yeah. really play that. Lanzini has become, and we saw it in that Burnley game last year where he suddenly was part of a midfield too. He can, <laughs> yeah. he can now do that. He's lost a little bit of dynamism. And he, he was never Piat. I mean, in that Piat year, everyone, he was always the, he, was, he gave. He gave, he, t- he came in and then gave on. And it's it started. To, we will lose a little bit of dynamism, undoubtedly. And you look at Liverpool, and it will be interesting whether Moyes goes, "I want to keep possession. I need that discipline, or I need that burst of pace that Ben Rama's got to break away." Mm. It's kind of it's an interesting balance. But he's certainly. Whereas I think Vlasic would have been the one at the start of the season people were expecting to put the pressure on. It's arguably Lanzini now. Well, the three of them have different limitations, and I think the key thing is for Moyes to understand which game suits which one the best with Ben Rama you get more fixed movements but you get the advantage of his pace and his instinctive kind of dribbling ability with for nows you get much better passing usually wasn't wasn't perfectly accurate against Villa. Yeah. it was one of his weaker performances but you get much better accuracy in possession usually with for nows the issue that Fornals gives you is you've got if you've got a, a six or an eight in the opposition team that likes to dribble, Fornals gets dribbled past all the time. Yeah, I mean, he's got the yeah. worst stats in the league for because he presses so much. The problem is, mm-hmm. is that sometimes when he presses, he doesn't make a foul and he just lets someone run past him, which is yeah. not a huge problem from the left, is a huge problem when he's playing 10. And Lanzini, you lose some pace, but you get more control. So it's understanding which team against which opposition do you want to play which of those players? And, and there are different teams that will be suited or they will be suited to play against. It's great to be able to say that we ha- have all those options. Like how, how often have we been able to say that as West Ham fans? Like the squad, as, as I don't know, as small as it is, I guess, it is a small squad compared to squads across the league. But it's diverse. I think everyone has a role to play. Everyone can cover a few positions but they all bring their own thing to the party as well like if if, and like you say I think we've started to see um, Moyes sort of not not learning because I I think he has always been tactically like astute but has has had moments where it's been questionable and he doesn't hadn't perhaps used the squad to the best of its ability in the right moments but now he's, he's, it seems as though his, his adaptations are, are much more effective and, and thought out. And um, it's great to have those options. There's no real, like, there's no players who you think are like, oh, they're kind of a bit part or like a, just a bit of a hanger on. Like they're kind of just lingering around the squad. Like everyone has and can come in on their day and, and do a job. I guess the only one for me that I'd probably say is Yarmolenko but even him we've managed to get a tune out of him ish like, he's still not great yeah. but his Moyes has found a way to make him purposeful and like get get him to do a job um, it's just his wage that then makes you think well okay yeah. great yeah we've got him doing a job but on 115 grand a week can you afford to pay someone that's just doing a job that much money which is no but I think the key thing is is he's able to be I mean he was criticised a lot for the for his lack of proactive uh, decision making and substitutions etc beforehand and I think 
that maybe wasn't a limitation of Moyes. I just think he wasn't necessarily super confident in these yeah. these players. And now that 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 cast of players that aren't necessarily in the first eleven have really seemed to have earned that trust off Moyes. So Moyes can, in a game like today, where we're losing a little bit of control against 10 men, go on you go Lanzini, and suddenly we have total control of the game back. Like It, it was a proactive change, and it totally changed the game when Lanzini came on. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, it's using the squad. I just before we move on, we should move on. I just, Jared, we've, we've highlighted Rice and Johnson. I think Bowen was the other star performer mm-hmm. and deserves something there. I mean, he's, he looked more dangerous. He still does his work. I mean, I love watching him do his work. He does so much running. Yeah. And he's not had, I don't think he's, he's, he's kind of been on and off. He, he wouldn't be dropped. He, he's because he's got a quite unique, almost a unique way about him compared to those three we've talked about who do have kind of similarities. He does have a, he's not maybe as, I don't know. You could, there's something English about him is what I'm thinking in my head. And it sounds ridiculous to say it. But there's that kind of cultural smart player about the other ones. He's got much more hustle bustle about him at times. Mm-hmm. But he's also he's he's looking he's looking like he's improving as a goal scorer, which may be just confidence. I don't know. He scored a lot for Hull Cow, but he looks dangerous at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I think I think he has yeah, he's he's always <clears throat> looked as though he has the goals in him. I think often it's you don't score every shot you take, you know, like you, it's just how it is. And I think it's just been an un, almost an unfortunate run for him. Like he was still getting in these positions. He was creating chances and he was just not scoring them. And like we mentioned on the last pod, it's unfortunate that we've come up against a, a run of informed keepers, basically, who have who have been saving more shots than would have been expected. Uh, He's really borne the brunt of that. It's been his yeah, shots. Exactly. And that's, it, and that's it. It worked worked. The opposite for us yesterday was I'm pretty sure Martinez will be disappointed with those first two yeah, goals. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even the third, I'll give him off with the fourth. And it worked mm-hmm. out one day. Yeah, and I think now it's like like we said about the numbers sort of balancing themselves out across the course of the season. We mentioned that last week. And that goes for the team as well as the individual. And I think like, like Jack's rightly pointed out, Bowen has just unfortunately been the one whose shots have been prevented and the the other ones have been the goals that have gone in they just haven't come from him and I think now that you're sort of seeing that start to level out and and hopefully he'll start to clock up some some real goals because he could have so he could have had like five or six this season easily already like it's just been unfortunate like and even yesterday um when Matty Cash did that double clearance off the line it's like that's the sort of stuff that he's coming up against and it's just on any other day or any other player that goes in and it's it's a it's a not easy opportunity but like you don't expect someone something like that to happen like to get up and head it off the line after just clearing it off the line like it's just unfortunate and eventually yes I think kind of like when we mentioned about the expected assisting the other day that that's that's a metric that takes out these sort of um whatchamacallits like doesn't account for other factors and stuff it's it's a better read and it similar to Bowen it's like metrics yeah great I'm a sucker for metrics everybody knows that but there's only so much they can tell you and I think you only have to watch Bowen to go oh okay he definitely can score goals like he's only he's only got like however many goals this season that's not or it might not look great but you watch him every game and it's like okay yeah okay he's he's not got the goals but there's a player there that can get 10 15 goals contributions at least a season I think it's it's all there 
but if you look, I mean, with Bowen, just just on some specifics of exactly what you're talking about, you think against Leeds, he had that incredible little dribble inside and then the finish yeah. was a great save from Melier. I can think Everton, he had a wonderful shot on the spin, which Pickford did amazingly to, to, to tip over the bar. And then against Villa, uh, you, you have the Matty Cash uh, double clearance off the off, not quite off the line, but clearance as, as the last man. Martinez is out of the game on both those shots, and um, and then for for Nauz's goal, I know you said Martinez might be disappointed with himself. I thought that was an outstanding save. It's a great run, a fantastic cross shot, um, and Martinez manages to get a a, a fingertip on it that's going to send it wide, and for Nauz manages to get in at the back stick to to get it in really easily his pressing was brilliant defensively faultless performance from Bowen really mm-hmm. easily could have had a hat trick really yeah. really easily could yeah. have had a hat trick I also, also want to give four hours a little bit of credit I thought he took that really well it, yes, made what, it was actually quite an awkward chance into something that looked yeah. really easy but then I just I just love Pablo <laughs> terrible uh, terrible knee slide though it was a terrible <laughs> knee slide yeah I, I that's just... always one of my favourite things is when someone goes to the knee slide with such confidence and just bounces off the earth <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's so fun and then he looked up at Ryze and he was just like you idiot <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, it was at least better than that tackle that John McGinn tried to get him set off for which was I, they collided mm. knee to knee. It was, yeah, one, it was, it was quite weird. I mean, it was never a red card. It was awful. It was just too quite. I mean, it's the, such the a horrible little shit ass that John again. I actually hate it. A little rat face, little twat. I mean, I just <laughs> I got so angry. Just... It was a great moment and, and when Bowen pushed him over. We both pushed him. Yeah, yeah. didn't push him hard. He just and he just. Oh, I mean, he didn't roll Flew like the camber did. The camber yeah. who kind of the camber's rolls were unreal. A, it was like a year seven at a school disco doing the caterpillar and a worm or something. It was ridiculous. It was Scotty too hotty for those old enough for that reference i mean <laughs> old enough but not too old um, and also to have had a life in their teens yeah i mean we should probably move on i suppose to another 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 big performance which was I suppose this, this, the, the, the somewhat second string beating five years, can't lose a tie, the, the kings of the Carabao, Manchester City. Took strong lineup as well. It was a strong, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, we we, we mentioned... on the last pod were like, oh, they're going to play their kids and they're going to play their kids. And like, yes, okay, they had one kid up front. They also had De Bruyne, Sterling, Mares. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose, in a way, their best player ended up being Cole Palmer, I think, for a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. He was, he, he threatened, but... I, I guess you're looking for Ariolas. He's the one who stood out for me because th- there was a He's lot brilliant. of people. There was a lot of people who played really well in that game. There were, and I think there were different. But he needed a performance, and he needed to do something to show that he was still putting that pressure on. And it was that was a, an eight, nine out of ten performance, Jack. Well, it's where you see the, the, the best of Ariola. We've known him to be an outstanding shot stopper from what he did at Fulham um, mm-hmm. from last season, and. Oh, the some of the saves he made in that game, the save from John Stones is just unbelievable. Mm. It's just mm. an absolutely brilliant save. And yeah, if there's a game for him to to step up in, and we talked about it, I think in the last pod about how a game against a team that are going to take loads of shots, there's no way they weren't even yeah. if they were going to play their kids, was mm-hmm. going to be a fantastic chance for him to showcase his, his talent. And he he absolutely did that. Some really fantastic reflex saves. Um, I know, yeah, just. A hero really throughout the the 90 minutes and then yeah 
didn't actually need to save a penalty. No, I think you. I, I think he was getting to Foden's at least. <laughs> so it's fine. Doesn't matter. It I, I, my favourite one is if I guess was not a save. It's that one that dropped to Gundogan and he was off yep. balance and he adjusted to get his foot. And I thought that swept it away. That's quick. I don't think Fab still has that bit of no. speed in him. No, and I think, I don't think he does. And I thought that was that was the one that went for. And also, there's concentration. He was watching, and we did doubt his concentration or whatever. And it's slightly easier when you know you're going to be pummeled with shots, but. Yeah. He was he was aware and he showed the reflex to do it as well. Um, and it was actually considering we had a rotated defence as well. Those it's another one. It's another example of these games actually, rather than being a hindrance because of tiredness, probably being really really good for us. Because I thought, yeah. I, I mean, I, I I think you'd have said you preferred Dawson to Diop. I thought Diop was brilliant. I suppose I've let you wax lyrical over Alfonso Ariola. So Craig Dawson, Jack. I love this man. I, I love this man. I, I, I just cannot get enough of, of Craig. I, 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 both were brilliant. Both Dawson and Deal were brilliant. What I loved about this, and this is a bit gimmicky, but what I loved about the, the, the City game with Dawson is we constantly talk about this guy's passing. I, I, am, I haven't seen the numbers. I promise you he had lower pass success than this Deal. That's just gu- almost guaranteed. But... I think I I noted four passes that set attackers away for for, for Dawson mm. in, in the first half alone in the first forty five minutes alone against Man City. I don't look. I don't know what's going on at West Ham now, and we're talking about players developing in different positions and learning different skills. Craig Dawson learning how to play line breaking passes <laughs> out of defence is not something I ever thought I would be saying. That's not that's not a that's not an Everton Moyes thing he's learned. Something that's showing that Moyes has progressed. I'm pretty sure he wasn't he wasn't teaching the uh, Phil Jackie Elka. I think it was Phil Jackie Elka <laughs> and then bend one round the corner and get uh, get your Kubu off. I mean it was certainly uh, certainly something new. I mean he I I really appreciate that the fact that those two have had doubts over them as well. I mean, Dawson has been replaced. That's not always easy. And he was getting criticism. He started the season slightly roughly as well. He's come into those games and actually even coming on against Everton, I thought he looked good. He looked back yeah. to the player that shocked everyone last year that people didn't want to buy, who was suddenly amazing. And Diop has looked very, well, very unlike what he was kind of considered as well. I've, I would give those two an immense credit yeah. for yeah. kind of reacting to the rotation and actually showing that it's good for them and again it, yeah, it, no. it, it kind of proves the theory that more football can be better for footballers i know it's weird um, <laughs> it even even strikes a noble who's barely played this season and i thought and i will give suchek a lot of credit here because i thought suchek really played his game knowing he was next to mark noble yeah but i mean his passing was pretty good he picked people out what i want to highlight is the drive into the area where he faked to go one way did the big top- yeah just sprinted through as if he was a ever fast, which even when he was in his twenties was, and b like a man in his twenties. I, th- I don't know what don't know what what's happened at the club, but Mark Noble sprinting on the dribble against Man City to break through the lines. I mean, that says a lot mm. to me. Mark Noble having a Mark Noble having an excellent midfield performance against what Fernandinho, Kevin De Bruyne, and Ilkay Gundogan, right? Like, yeah. what, mm-hmm. what is going on? Like, it's, yeah, what it's is crazy. Happening here? It's a lot about mentality of a football club. That the happier you are, I guess, and the more confident you are, the better you play. Um, yeah. I won't too, touch too much on Mark because I'm pretty sure at one point this season we're going to have to have an emotional Mark Noble yeah, podcast yeah. anyway, where I cry and get my arm tattoo out. But uh, Nikola Vlasic. <laughs> Kind of, and, uh, the two that I thought, whilst not amazing, probably his most promising, his best performance so far. Oh, definitely. 
yeah, he was so, well. He was so much more involved for a start. I think one of the one of the problem, well, not problems, but one of the things we've raised previously is that he's kind of just looked a bit like a passenger. Like he's just not in the game. Like we played almost around him, um, and I think this game we played through him a lot, which is is great. And like we've said, we've we've kind of we've known that the quality is there because we've seen we've been aware of him before he arrived here and, and he's proven that elsewhere. But what we've said is that he needed to be more involved to, to kind of get into that groove. And I think we saw that uh, against City. And I, th- I thought it was a bit harsh to hook him off, to be honest. I think, I, I mean, you can't question it in the end because we we, we won the game, uh, albeit on penalties and, and the decisions uh, to bring on the, the three attackers, the three starting attackers, um, completely changed the dynamic of the game I thought like the energy that arrived on the pitch was just like it was just it was almost cinematic like you saw the three yes. of them strip off you were like yes here we yes, go right. we're going for this, it this is the proactive Moyes that everyone's been missing and that's, that's about as proactive as you can get um, as, as much as I did feel, feel like it was a bit harsh on Vlasic um, but yeah I, I was really impressed with what I saw um, and hopefully that's a sign of things to come he's He's, he's found his groove and hopefully he'll be given more time. And like we said, we're anticipating him featuring a lot more when Ben Rama disappears for however many weeks it is that he'll be away, probably a while, because I imagine Algeria will be aiming to win the AFCON. So um, he, he'll probably be involved for a, a lengthy period of time. Um, but seeing these players come in and make these cameos makes me less fearful of his absence, to be honest. Like, We've seen Vlasic perform well now in a shirt. We've seen talked about Lanzini coming in and, and playing a role again. Um, and as much as Ben Rama is is great and and he's obviously been really important this season and, and and hit the ground running really quickly at the start. I mean, we'll miss him, but I'm not worried. I'm not worried about him going. I don't think. Um, I mean, worried in the sense that it'd be nice to have him, of course. But I don't think. Oh wow, we're screwed when when Ben Rama goes. Whereas in previous seasons, I might have looked at the squad and gone, "Who the hell fills that role?" Now it's like, "Oh, okay, he goes." But four hours, Vlasic. Um, Lanzini are all about and, and can can fill that gap pretty confidently, to be honest. Yeah, and if you spend five minutes on West Ham Twitter, then God's coming back in January anyway. So, I mean, what are yeah, we worried about? Exactly. <laughs> the only issue now is we might be facing a Spurs that, that have Conte mm. in the next round, which is probably a different pro- uh, proposition to the ghost of Harry Kane and Nuno that we had before. Yeah. You were confident we'd beat City, Jack. Are you, are you confident we'll go to Spurs and win? Well, we got an excellent record against them in the League Cup. We beat mm-hmm. them in the quarterfinal at White Hart Lane. Maiga scored that 86th minute header after Jarvis scored. Right? We were that we won that game with an absolutely terrible team. And then again at Wembley, right? We went two down? We were two 0 down and we won that game three two. Andre are you brace? Yeah. I'm sorry. We are actually on quite a good run against Spurs. We're on a great <laughs> run against them in the League Cup. So yeah, I do fancy us. <laughs> Honestly, I think you kind of have to like this. Yeah, like them under Conte is, is a different proposition altogether, of course. But like we've just beaten Pep City, and it wasn't a weak city. Yeah. So I think you've got to, you've got to fancy yourself against anyone. Like we've shown that we can go toe to toe with the big boys. So to turn up and think anything other than we can win this and the whole thing is. I don't know. You're not going to win a game if you don't think you're going to win I, it. It's, it's I just want to say really thank, thank you for that perfect setup because we've shown we could go up against anyone and play against the big boys. So Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> um, you should work on radio, Chris. 
I know. I, I've listened to some people do some talking. I didn't have to do that time. Cal set it up for me. I mean, Liverpool. <laughs> if any team I did fear, I think it would be Liverpool. As a team we've not looked great. But a team, as pointed out by my least favourite pundit, Jamie Redknapp, we didn't have a go at last year when we actually probably could have. Mm. And when they were in their weaker spell. And we are a different team this year. This year, we do look like we will probably if not have a go, we will certainly back ourselves to be more dangerous. Uh, where do you, do you, I mean, do you see us being, our weaknesses being exploited in this, Jack? Or, I mean, certainly with Salah and Liverpool generally, but. Well, this is, it's a tough game. It's a really tough game. I, my big question is, I don't actually know. I haven't, I haven't looked at this, but it, um, whether, whether uh, Fabinho will be back or whether Henderson is expected to continue as, as the number six. Because if Henderson does continue as the number six, um, he has a real tendency to jump out um, all the time and has kind of lacks positional discipline in that role, which Brighton exploited really well by playing Trossard as a false nine who just dropped into the space that he's constantly leaving behind because he loves pressing. So he's always mm-hmm. charging up to press something, but it leaves this massive amount of space in that area. Both well um, for us. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing is we've just had a chat about our three midfielders who all have different skill sets in dominating that area of the pitch. So, you know, if they're having one area that's a real problem for them at the moment, it's the number six area. And if we're having one area where we're performing exceptionally well at the moment, it's probably that area. So, or have lots of different skills that are, of players that are all performing quite well. So, although obviously I'm not going to, I've been super, super confident when you come to the prediction section of all the other uh, pods we've done so far, I'm not going to say, you know, I fully expect us to beat them. Um, it's a real tough, tough test, but um, there is that one weakness. And if we can exploit it in the same way that Brighton did, then yeah, I, I'd say we've got a chance. Would you think, yeah. Cal? yeah, I, I agree. I think that there are, there's not many weaknesses in that side, but there, there are some. And, and we've seen, I think if, I imagine Moyes will probably have watched or will watch that Liverpool Brighton game as he loves he watches everything apparently and and it would he's just doing his due diligence really to, to watch that and I think he'll watch that and look at it and go oh okay we could if they've managed to do that then why can't we like I think more than most teams in the prem we're probably best suited to exploit that sort of weakness because we're probably one of if not the most dangerous teams on the counter uh, and and exploiting those areas of the pitch we've proven that so far this season and the end of last season um, and we're only getting better at it I think Villa was the perfect example of we it wasn't our best performance we can play better but one thing we were was absolutely clinical and that that um, Bowen marauding run down on the break that led to the goals was um, a prime example of that if we can catch them out of position um, which I think we can because they're a team that play with so much attacking intent that so often, A, their fullbacks are basically on the byline because they're the main attacking outlets. Um, and they they play such a dangerously high line that if we can just move that, progress that ball out on the counter quickly, then I think the holes are there which to, to, to be run into, definitely. Um, but the flip side of that is that they play this dangerously high line and are so attacking oriented and they're so bloody good at it. Like it's, they're, they're so informed. Like it's, uh, I think it's 
difficult. I don't think any team would really, or any fan of any club would would go into that a game against Liverpool at the minute and think, yeah, we can we can do them. Like it's just they're just a different beast at the minute. Like, um, I guess the only one positive is probably that they play uh, Atletico a few days before and they're going they're gonna probably field a strong team for that or as strong a field as they can because they've got a few injuries at the minute um, and they're likely to be knackered because Atletico don't let you rest really they're, they're one thing you can guarantee from a Simeone team is that you're going to come out of it absolutely shagged because he's going to A, run you either run you all over the pitch or brutalise your body by just getting the likes of Hermosa and stuff to just kick seven shades of shit out of <laughs> you like for 90 minutes. So, um, yeah, I maybe we could, was going, but I maybe, still maybe, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe they'll they'll be carrying a few cuts and bruises from that and, and we'll be fatigued and who knows? Like I, I don't want to wish injury on anyone. And um, I, I think from a neutral perspective, watching Salah this year has been absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And, and the form he's displaying is, is great for the league and, and just to watch and admire as, as, a, as a fan of football. Um, but worry to be missing and that maybe would be good. I, certainly, <laughs> I certainly think the, the, the biggest worry maybe that the, the arguably the best player in the world right now is going against, he's going to be down playing on the right against maybe our weakest defensive point, which yeah. is a worry. Well, no, he's doing really well at the moment. I know he, we, we, yes. we generally consider him to be our, our weakest defensive point, but he's really stepped up in recent weeks. I, 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 I would usually jump on board with, with that, but the last two months of Cresswell form has been outstanding. And then um, in the positive column is more uh, the other team that I've seen really get under their skin uh, this season, or that I remember really seeing get under their skin this season is Brentford. And um, if we were talking about the one weakness they had at six, the other weakness they've been shown to have uh, numerous times, really, and Brentford exploited it wonderfully, is, is balls to the back post, overloading the back post against Trent. Um, mm. They tend to, to get quite narrow, and, and then that leaves Trent with too much baby. to deal with. And Salah doesn't get back, and Salah's not very good no. in the air anyway. So having committing two, three numbers to that area with sort of looping balls across to the back stick has worked and been quite effective against them for a number of teams, uh, most notably Brentford this season. And do you we've think got, we've got the players? Sorry, we've got the players to exploit that that weakness at number six, but we've also got the players to exploit that weakness um, at fullback. Do you think maybe we see Soufal come back in for this one on account of his delivery? See, this is the thing that's quite hard about this game is that it, Ben Johnson is undroppable because of how well he's playing, but Soufal suits this game so well. But so, that's what I mean. If we're talking about overloading that back posts, there's probably no better crosser in the team than Super Especially I, to I, that I think, area. Especially yeah. to yeah. that area. So yeah, I, he, I does, he does float one. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if Sufal was to return to the team and I wouldn't be shocked if if, if that caused a bit of a you know, fury on Twitter or whatever. And I think, to be honest, I think as, as much of a, a fury as it might cause, I think if you're Ben Johnson... And Moyes gives that rationale for the decision. I don't think you can really argue with it because I think one thing Johnson, as a footballer, would probably see is that yeah, okay, Sufao is ridiculously good. And if you explain it tactically, saying right, this is how we're going to set up today. We're going to try and overload that back post. We need a lot of crosses going in there um, from your side. I don't think you can really disagree with that. Like Sufao's proven that he's got the best delivery in the team. I guess maybe Cresswell, but at, at least from like live play, Sufal's crossing is better. 
Um, and he has that, he already has that sort of connection with Socek, who I'm assuming will be using to, to ta- attack that back post. Um, and yeah, I'd, that sort of link up, that sort of delivery. Um, and again, I guess like he's, it's not like we're going to have a defensive, well, to be fair, Johnson's defensive output has been ridiculously good, but it's not like we're going to lose that much defensively with Sufal because he is, he is a yeah. workhorse and he is good at defending and he's coming up against a Mane who's who seems to have kicked kicked on a bit and and found some form again after yeah, totally. a fairly dryish spell by his standards. Um, so yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back in, and I maybe would put Suchek in your fantasy teams if if you if you're going to have a West Ham player. I do I do suspect Fournells will be back on their left for this because yes. the only thing you want it's someone who's going to make sure they're tracking Trent Alexander Arnold. Yes, and definitely. Ben Rama has some qualities, obviously, but maybe discipline isn't one. Uh, we do have a of a game in the week I suppose we've now if you want to do a, a, a picture of some West Ham confidence is the fact that we've decided we don't need to talk that much about Genk yeah I mean almost the, the fact that we're not going to have a big conversation about it is the talking point in that respect is we trust the secondish string in the rotation we know we're dealing with it quite good and we also probably don't think they're that good no. well I think you know we we totally trust the second string of players or the B team. The, the rotated defence have proven themselves to be excellent time and time again. And um, frankly, we've taken so much pressure off ourselves with three wins in the first three games that a, a draw away at Genk is a is a great result. Mm. Um, mm. So there's there's very little pressure on this game. It's a it's a chance. Maybe even I mean it's probably the first chance he's had to say you could rest Cresswell and make sure he's fresh, fresh to play against Salah yeah. and give Masuaku a run out at left back even. Um, yeah. I hope so actually. Yeah. We've got, I mean, the importance if we win this, we're done basically. Yeah. And which would be lovely to have those two games to really, really rest some players. I guess we should wrap up there then really gentlemen. Um, before I go, first I want to thank uh, Paul Walker for, for listening to what he says is his second ever podcast. I mean, those of you who uh, read a lot of, from us, for at least Robert Railroad Paul, excellent writer, long-time journalist, he also gave me a brilliant stat. When Leicester won the title, they, were, they had 19 points from ten, their first 10 games. We were on 20. I mean, granted, there's a few teams above us, but we're, we're making good progress. <laughs> and uh, I want to thank Joshua, and I'm going to go for Schroer, and I'm sorry, Josh, or Joshua, if it's not, but who's sent feedback in that was, I won't read it now, but it was lovely. It was really, really, really lovely and really nice. And uh, we all appreciate it. I said it on to make sure the boys had it because... You know, yeah. sometimes on a Monday night or a Tuesday morning, you need a little bit of an ego boost. And why not? <laughs> um, and until then, um, that's another one wrapped up. Hopefully we'll come back with some good news next week and before an international break. So we can have a little bit of change of tone. We're not going to be doing maybe we'll, we'll have some games to analyse, but we don't have so much to look forward to. So that gives uh, Calamus in particular, who's got a big, big list of players I can see to my left, a time to shine <laughs> as yeah, well. But until then, uh, thank you for listening and uh, goodbye. Right, so we're here in the offices of a late, late show with the host of a late, late show, James Corden. Hi. Big West Ham fan. Yes. <laughs> big knees up, Mother Brown, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm regularly on the general discussion page. There's always someone who's got some information, so I love it. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Yes, it's Find excitement it. surrounded by imminent disappointment. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it mostly is. Get on the forum at KUMB.com Come on you irons